Welcome in, everybody. I, I, I'm i so thankful to be here. Um, you guys don't know me. My name is Jason Line, Mr. Murka, the Bearded Truth. And uh, I got to start off with saying thank you to Muddy Waters Media for having me come on here and allowing me the opportunity to, to speak about my neighborhood-friendly uh, libertarian views and bring them to you. And so certainly, right, when it comes to uh, Matt and Spike, they bring they bring awesome content, but uh, they, they've decided that they want to be the Three Musketeers, effectively. And so here we are. Now you have Jason Lyon, Mr. Marka, the Bearded Truth here. Uh, the music is just was just a, a metal instrumental. Um, we're working on, on getting some, some accepted uh, artist for that. But thank you guys for coming in tonight. Thank you guys for, for, for giving me this platform, Muddy, Muddy, Muddy Waters Media. Uh, it's, it's certainly a new, uh, new experience, right? We got, we, we always have a, a little bit of a learning curve starting off and, and certainly tonight is no different, right? It's wanting to start off at 8 PM and, uh, really not getting, not, not beginning until, you know, now it's eight ten. Um, but nonetheless, um, quick intro to who I am. So I am a 28-year-old 20, uh, veteran of the United States Navy. Does not mean that I'm the most, uh, most happy with how our military has been utilized. I am a libertarian. More specifically, I'm a minarchist. Um, a minarchist of, of minimal, minimal government. Um, so your typical minarchist is a bigger government, bigger status than I am. And, um, I, uh, I, I talk about politics and I talk about social issues, obviously, and always bring it around to the idea of liberty, the idea of individual liberty and being able to, uh, show you guys why that is so important. We'll have guests come on the show. Um, whether it's, whether it's a, a, one of my good friends, um, who is a watchdog lawyer for the state of South Carolina where I reside, or if it's just other other libertarians or even uh, some conservatives or some, some Democrats even. Um, we try to bring in a, a, a wide variety of people in here to be able to give you guys as much perspective as possible and to really challenge them. I'm not, I'm not nearly as good as Spike when it comes to, to debating people on topics, but that's certainly an aspiration of mine to get up to that level. So if you guys have been following uh, my fellow Americans, they're on Wednesday nights. Uh, it's always fantastic seeing Spike talk with, with people who uh, fundamentally disagree on, on many a things. So I'm excited for the future here at Muddy Waters Media. Um, I'm excited to see what kind of liberty we can we can uh, espouse and, and grow and, and let the let the flames of liberty really burn on. Um, it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful future for us. So thank you guys all for coming in. I hope I gave myself enough of an intro for you guys to, to get at least a good gist of who I am. And uh, with a, without further ado, we will move on to talking about the politics of today. Um, so... If you guys follow me from my previous accounts, um, I was on Twitter, I was on Facebook, or not Facebook, on YouTube and on Periscope. Um, I had a show on Tuesday night, and now we are, we're here, right? We're here. So I, I'll try not to, um, try not to just continue the conversation as much as bring it back to the beginning on as much of these conversations as we can. And so the first thing I want to start off talking about was the North Korea situation. Now, this is a situation that um, 
many people have been following, whether you're on the right, the left, or the libertarian side. I, I, I separate the three. I segregate those three from each other. Um, I think there's much more value in it uh, by separating the two or separating the three. Um, and, and the idea that North Korea, a totalitarian state, a government that you know enslaves its own people, that has the gulag, that kills off uh, uh, rivals to the throne, rivals to the seat, uh, Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il, the whole family history is just a horrible, egregious people, and, and I believe I've seen Spike and Matt kind of kind of touch on that. And um, so President Trump is going over there, and the week building up to it, we knew that he was going to go in, go into Vietnam to really sit down and talk with uh, Kim Jong-un and his sister. And the media was just going bombastic. They were going hysterical. They were going uh, absolute lefty-loony as typical, and just going after the president before he gets there. Now, of course, the president of the United States, President Trump, is not somebody that that goes in with the uh, with with a lot of uh, a lot of planning, right? When he gets involved with things, when he when he goes and does them, something, as he said many a times before, uh, he goes off of gut feelings. He goes off of the gut. So he's not a man of principle. He's not a man that, that comes in and has like a, a plan, despite the fact that he's got a book that's called Art of the Deal. Um, when it came to North Korea, he came in kind of as an open slate. He wanted to be diplomatic with them. He wanted to build them up. And uh, he wanted to make it seem as if he was there for, for all the right reasons and all the good things. Um, but he didn't have a plan. So President Trump shows up. Media has been attacking him as typical, and uh, he goes in, sits down, gets criticized for sitting down, and then um, the right, the conservatives, the Republicans are like, yeah, it's great that he's sitting down. And I'm like, you know, it, it's all right that he's sitting down. I think that, you know, the outcome is more important than the intent. So he sits down with Kim Jong-un, and uh, everything falls apart. Everything falls apart. President Trump has to walk away from the deal. And uh, we're seeing people that were were boasting and were proud and were excited about him sitting down with North Korea. And now they're going, yeah, um, it's good that he walked away. All right. So is it good that he walked away? And if it was good that he walked away, why was it good that he sat down with them? If he... If he is the the leader of the free world, and I use the free world as as in quotations because we are obviously not free, um, but if if he's the leader of the free world and of the most powerful military in the world, why is it that you're going to sit down with them, sit down with uh, Kim Jong Un, and not have a plan set? Why why was this a a situation in which you sit down and nothing comes of it? So the the people who've been supporting him for sitting down and su- supporting him for uh not making a deal i think that there's a there's a little bit of of idolatry there cuz you have to criticize one right either he doesn't sit down and you cheer at him because there's nothing to come of it or when he gets nothing done you shouldn't be cheering because you expected something from it and there's just a lot of lost value there how much money was wasted by the taxpayer for him to sit down, have nothing happen? Too much. Um, and, and certainly, North Korea is not 
they don't have enough resources for us to go in and, and invade them and, and take over the area. There's really not much that we can do in the ways of, of a principled non-aggression principle. Um, the, the foreign involvement there, it is, we can, sure, we can go in and just start demolishing the area and, and devastating everything, but that's not, that's not kosher. That's not healthy. It's not good for America. We're, we're quickly turning into Rome by being involved in so many different conflicts and, and all of the issues that we have within our borders. Um, we're just asking for the state to fail. We're asking for it all to fail. And there, there's a, a large issue there. So I'm, I'm ready for this North Korea situation to be over. If they're going to do something, do something. If, the, if President Trump and his administration are going to do something and be able to get North Korea to become denuclearized, then let it become denuclearized. But if it, if it means that we just have this, this standoff, effectively maintaining the standoff since the Korean War, then so be it, right? I don't think that there's much loss there. So just let the standoff continue and, and let that roll on the way that it's going. Um, I want to I wanna shift gears over to, uh, to the mainland's. And um, one thing that we I've seen spoken about from others as well as uh, myself was the Green New Deal and, and all of the workings of these freshman Congress men and women. Um, the Green New Deal finally came out this last week with exactly how much it was going to cost. And, and oh, there's no way that you could just take Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's quote and say, uh, you just, you're just stuck at the sticker value, you know, sticker shock and, and just let it lie and let it go. Uh, cause $93 trillion, $93 trillion, $93 trillion or 600,000 per household over 10 years. So imagine however much taxes you're paying right now, $600,000 over 10 years. So $60,000 in taxes each year in order to make this work or $93 trillion over 10 years. So it's 9.3 trillion. This is not something that is feasible. This is not something that is, is going to be, uh, be digestible for the American taxpayers. If you were to tax people, I, I believe that the number that I saw earlier was taxing Everybody who makes more than $30,000 every year at 100% in order to make this happen. So the marginal rate that, that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was talking about at the 90% after the $10, million, or $10 millionth dollar. No, no, no. You have to move that down to $30,000 and 100% tax rate in order to make this, this something that is feasible and acceptable. Understanding those numbers, understanding how the actual, uh, how this how the Green New Deal, as it was outlined, um, arguably as the final document, which was argued as a rough draft, it destroys not only the economy, it doesn't just destroy the GDP and waste all of it into restructuring and rebuilding America at 300,000 uh, buildings per day in order to achieve its goal, but it also limits and, and, and destroys the American way of life because not only, not only are they looking to get rid of the cows, and, and remove those nasty cow farts. Uh, not only are they saying that it's immoral for you to have children, but they're also going to take away your ability to fly. So you're going to be stuck in the ground. We're getting the wall from President Trump. 
with his national emergency declaration. And so we're going to be really limited as to what we can do, how we can live our lives. And the Green New Deal is going to ensure that we have universal basic income for not only the people that are unable to work, but those that are unwilling. So having this understanding of what the Green New Deal is and, and the entire topic surrounding it is just showing just not only how uh, how egregious and reprehensible these democratic socialists of America are and how how no matter how much destruction comes of it, it will never be enough because they don't look at they don't look at the outcomes. They don't look at the expected outcomes. They look at the intent. As long as the intent is good, then we can pass this and we can move on with it. It's these democratic socialists, these uh these young freshman Congress people um, whether it's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, or uh, Rashid Tlaib, or Ilhan Omar, those three in particular, there's nothing that they can say that they will ever be held accountable by their own side. There's nothing that they can say, right? With the the absolute sheer nonsensical thing that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said um, a couple weeks ago to... Allison or Allison uh, Anderson Cooper on CNN with her saying it's more important to be uh, morally right than factually correct. You could be semantically wrong. You could be ethically wrong. You could be factually incorrect. But as long as the morals are there, as long as you're moving it the right way, that's what's important. That was not enough in order for her to get sheer criticism from her her friends on the left when she's called out. And push this Green New Deal. There's a couple people, Diane Feinstein, uh, Nancy Pelosi, and a couple others that that provided some pushback against this. Right, Nancy Pelosi calling it the Green Dream. Diane Feinstein standing up to those tyrant ten year olds who demanded from her to uh, to sign that le- or to not sign, but to uh, to vote yes on the Green New Deal when she stood up against them. There's been a little bit of pushback, but not nearly enough. And so we have these freshmen that are really, really coming out in, in, a, in, in an aggressive way in order to take over the Democratic Party as much as possible. We have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, just – it was yesterday – that came out and said that if you are not voting in the way of the Democratic Party, you will be put on a list. And what this list means is that you will be uh, – they're going to primary you out in 2020 or in 2022 or 2024, depending on if you're a senator or a House representative. You know, whenever your term is up, you will be primaried out if you do not align with the party. And it, so there's this this – there's this fundamental understanding with the Democratic Party that the Democratic Party has always been united. This is the one thing that, that regardless on if you agree with their, their, uh, their policies or their agenda, the Democratic Party has always been very united. They've always been able to work uh, in step with each other. They're always on the, the same talking points. They're able to keep doing this. And... All Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and company are doing is is saying, look, we've taken it to the next level. We're going to stand up for climate change. We're going to stand up for this, that, and the other. And we're going to demand from you guys to remain in lockstep with us. If you guys do not, then we'll find new people to do it. Thankfully, for those of us who dispose or despise the Democratic Party and all that it is, we are going to see – oh, I realized the comments 
are going away or scrolling down. Um, when the Democratic Party is doing this, it is causing such a controversy because there are Democrats that are in purple states. There are Democrats that are in uh, that don't agree with the premise of of absolute one hundred percent control. Thank you, Lynn, for joining in. Um, when you and and so those Democrats are now put into a weird situation where there's potential that they're going to get primaried, that these Democratic socialists are going to try to have somebody replace them. So it's a it's a toss up on if that will be effective and or if they if they just forego it and forget it and and potentially lose their seats for being a radical uh, lunatic. Interesting, interesting either way, right? It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see the way the 2020 plays out. I know there's a lot more a lot more things that are going to feed into this, including including the taxes. So if we if we scroll back a little bit in history, when the tax cuts and job acts was passed by uh, President Trump and the Republicans, um, there was there was a lot of hubbub about that. There was a lot of concerns from the Democrats saying you can't cut spending. And for a while, revenue went up and, and revenue has gone back down from it. But nonetheless, there's a, there's a, a lot of concerns now that the tax season is, is upon us that people were saying that they were going to receive less taxes or they were getting less taxes back. And there's some, some basic algorithms. There's some basic understanding of taxes that when you pay in less, you're going to get less back um, because there's just less of a pool there. So some people are, are getting that experience, but overall from the IRS itself, they said that uh, overall the tax returns have increased by 1.3%. So 13% increase on the taxes, sorry, 1.3% on average. So a little bit more money coming back to people um, is, is always a good thing. This is going to help out because a lot of Americans... Um, Let's just be frank. There's a lot of Americans that don't really care that much. Um, but if you get more money in my wallet, I, I'm, I'm happy and therefore I'm settled. And, and you won't hear any complaints from me. You won't hear any controversies from me. But I know that you guys are coming in here and uh, this, is, this, this isn't the same for you guys. Um, I agree with you, Timothy. And so it's, it's going to be interesting uh, to see the way that the, the economy continues if it continues on the upswing if uh if we hit some stumbles if we hit some hurdles or uh if we have what's been called as potentially the worst economic crash that we will face here in america um i'm, I'm blanking on the economist but nonetheless he was the economist that called out the 2008 uh housing market crash if 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 that's true, if that's the way that it goes, then uh, yes, we will be absolutely devastated. Um, as long as the economy is on the upswing, as long as it keep, continues booming, that may be enough for President Trump to maintain his seat, to maintain office um, as commander-in-chief, quote-unquote, because we're always in a perpetual war, or the President of the United States. Um, but we're going to have a lot more interesting things to talk about in the interim, of course. Um, so we got in, in the news of that, and I'm going to have to rehash something that, that just went on my show on Tuesday is some of the candidates, some of the candidates that we saw coming up, uh, from the democratic side. So 
ramble off a couple names. We've got uh, Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota. We've got Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts. We've got Kamala Harris from California. We've got Cory Brooker from New Jersey. We've got um, uh, Schultz, who's who's running as an independent, but he is he, he says that he won't run as a Democrat because the Democratic Party has left him. I would agree with that premise, um, but I, I, I'll conflate him into the Democrats because I think he's going to pull from the Democrats more than anyone else. Um, Bernie Sanders has thrown his hat into the ring, and we'll see if uh, when Joe Biden. Joe Biden is definitely going to be throwing his hat in the ring. I'm calling that right now. Um, but we've got all this this massive pool of people, and they're all pulling the party in different directions. Um, some of it's good. Some of it is good good stuff. Oh, Tulsi Gabbard. I, I almost forgot about her. The only the only Democrat to be anti-war. Um, so Tulsi Gabbard uh, from Hawaii has also thrown her hat in the ring. So looking at all of these people, there's there's a couple of good stances, and I want to I want to touch on those um, because I really think that if we were to combine a lot of these these views and put it into a a libertarian and actually get the publicity off of that, um, we could see somebody from the LP coming in and winning. Now I forgot to mention this in my bio in my introduction in the beginning, but I am a, a member of the Libertarian Party up here in Greenville uh, Greenville County, South Carolina. Um, we'll see about where my future is within the Libertarian Party, but nonetheless, it is there. Um, and so, when it comes to when it comes to Kamala Harris, what's something good that she was talking about? Well, she's talking about decriminalizing um, sex work, right? Not not forced sex work, but but consensual sex. So prostitution, if as long as it's on a consensual basis, fantastic, right? If there's no victim, there's no crime. Good one from her, Cory Brooker was uh oh geez he just had his uh yesterday oh that's what it was um cory brooker came out and he said look i'm in favor of of legalizing marijuana on the federal level and as a result anyone who is in in jail for simply marijuana use distribution selling etc etc should then be retroactively let go um fantastic stance right again no victim no crime let him go let him be free Take those two, we're, we're, we're moving in the right path. Take Tulsi Gabbard, her anti-war stance, as I already said. Um, take her anti-infringement and, and, and uh, cut back on the wars that have been destroying this country, destroying the, the morale of this country. Right? We've been in Iraq and Afghanistan for, uh, what is that, 18 and 17 years now? It's time to pull, pull us on back. Um, we now have... Uh, sorry, 19 and 18 years, respectively. We now have troops over in I Iraq that were born after the event that caused us to be there. Um, so it'd be nice to have that be pulled in. Um, when it comes to Schultz, Schultz is talking about opening up the markets, opening up the regulations, or removing some of the regulations, allowing the market to thrive and survive and do what it's supposed to do, right? That the capitalism, right? Actually move towards capitalism, move towards the free market. Please, Hillary, please run. <laughs> um, it's fantastic on that one. So we take we take the anti-war stance. We take we take the uh, legalizing prostitution we take the, the legalizing the war on drugs at least for the marijuana side at a minimum i would say entirely um i agree with spike on that one um from bernie sanders here's oh here's the rare one 
I agree with Bernie Sanders on something. Because Bernie Sanders, when, when he was campaigning in 2016, one of his uh, one of his stances was to actually open up the market for healthcare, open it up, and and stop having state lines cut or cut off competition. So opening up the lines of of competition across state lines as well as nation lines. So being able to trade and barter um, with Canada or Mexico if we want to buy some of their stuff, um, allowing that, allowing for more competition, allowing for for better. Um, better products and services to the consumer. Fantastic idea there. So if we were to take all of that stuff and we throw it into a libertarian, this would not be a radical libertarian. This would just be a, a typical mainstream down the road or down center of the road libertarian. And, and those are the best stances. They're using these, those individuals on the democratic side, they're using these in order to pull out the libertarians. And all it takes is just for one of us one of us to step up and take all of those good stances and just campaign on them. It's hard to say, it's hard for a libertarian to come out there and to use these to, to embolden, um, embolden their talking points. And then to have the Democrats say, no, that's not okay, when it's being held by the Democrats themselves. You have to use their motives and their, their talking points against them. And uh, I, would, I would be hopeful that that would come through. But as a, as a whole, all these Democrats are now working so uh, so visceral with such visceral hatred for each other um, because they all want the nomination. I think that the top three top three projections would be Joe Biden, uh, Bernie Sanders, of course, and uh, I guess for the third one, it would probably be Kamala Harris. But I don't think I don't think that she actually stands a chance. Joe Biden's going to be good for for a good while. He has the support because he was Obama's vice president, and uh, people people recognize that name quite well. They 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 favor him in a lot of ways. We'll see how long he's able to hold out on that. Um, but when it comes to his actual interactions and his involvements with the Republicans and with the Democrats, it does put him into into sketchy waters, if you will, because Joe Biden. He's friends with Vice, uh, Vice President Mike Pence. He knows him and he thinks he's a decent guy. But when he said that, when he publicly tweeted that, he actually got hit by uh, Cynthia Nixon from New York with a tweet that was just basically saying, "No, he's anti-LGBT. You have to, you have to condemn him." And and certainly, of course, Joe Biden does does that. He came out and and was like, "Nope, Vice President Mike Pence is a is a horrible, horrible, disgusting person." And um. And and so Joe Biden, it's going to be hard to, to keep him on the same stance and on the same view for a long time. So I think that that fluctuality or flexibility, that volatility of him is going to hurt him in the long run. He can't trust a guy that, that does flip and flop as much. And I think that even even the uh, even the Democrats see that. I think even the base sees that. So I don't know how long he's going to be able to hold his favorability. Um, as for Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders is his he's kind of sitting on a throne right now. Bernie Sanders is sitting there in in the things that he's been talking about for the longest time. The things that he's been advocating for for pushing um, is all being pushed by other people. And so he's like the grandfather of this, maybe even the great, 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 great grandfather of all this, because, you know, it is what it is. But. So when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez comes in and she's pushing for the Green New Deal, what does the Green New Deal have that uh, Bernie Sanders was pushing for? Basically uh, increasing the size of unions, um, 
universal basic income, paying for college tuition for everybody via the health or via the government, uh, Medicare for all paid for by the government again. Um, so the single payer system, um, you know, all, all these big socialist ideas that, that Bernie Sanders has been in support of when it came to the USSR, when it came to Venezuela, when it came to, you know, all, all the socialist countries. These are all things that are being pushed now by the quote unquote mainstream uh, Democrats. And so Bernie Sanders gets to sit there and go, all of my policies are now the mainstream. All of my views are now being embodied by the Democrats. He's he's the nomination is his to lose, really, because I don't think Kamala Harris um, being torn apart by her own father for for some of the the quotes that she had for generalizing and stereotyping. uh, What was it? Jamaican people. When when she did that, her father came out and criticized her. So I, she's got she's got some personal issues, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if she really makes any high marks. I you know I th- I do think that she'll be third place, but um, <laughs> Joe should stay in the memes. <laughs> um, Joe though hands handsy's feely. Yep. Um, so I, I really think it's going to be between Joe Biden and uh, Bernie Sanders. If one of them. I don't wish ill upon anybody. I don't wish death upon anybody. But uh, it should one of them die, right? The nomination is clear for the other one. I think that that that's something that uh, both sides, all three sides, right, Republican, Democrat, and and Liberty advocates um, can agree on that. One of them goes down. The other one's uh, got the the red carpet, the uh, the Oscars carpet, leading on into the twenty twenty. Democrat nomination. And then it just comes down to who were the libertarians putting up, right? We got uh, McAfee and, of course, we got Vermin the Supreme. And then uh, Republicans, they're going to throw out some some uh, some no names, if you will. Um, I don't I don't expect them to bring out any hard hitters um, because they they know what the what the potential will be if you have somebody that splits the vote. And uh, is able to tear apart President Trump and, and cause that loss in the base. So I think that they're they're going to hold on to President Trump a little bit more than what they would have if it was a little bit of a closer race. And uh, so we'll see President Trump and, and coming up against the, the nominees from the other sides. It'll be an interesting race. I'll be, of course, keeping up, keeping you guys up to date on what's going on with that, what's going on in Congress and, and how all of this is going to be playing out. Bernie might too old. I believe. Let me let me verify this. I want to say that Bernie Sanders is younger than Joe Biden, which just explains like socialism ages you so so badly. Um, of course, the inter- internet's going slow for me. Um, but yeah, so I'll I'll get the fact check on that. But, but nonetheless, it, it'll be interesting to see the way that all that plays out. Um, I want to I want to shift gears a little bit. So we talked a little bit about the average tax. Um, I realize I spelled the wrong. Um, oh no, oh no. I'm blanking, guys. I'm blanking. I had another topic I was going to cover with you guys. Uh, talking about the homelands. Let me pull up. Let me pull up the Facebook feed. 
Um. Yep. 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 Oh no, this is this is where things get good. This is where things get good. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hit two older topics because uh, I really I don't feel like I got to get get into them uh, quite well enough in the past. So it's important for me to hit them a little bit deeper and to be able to to show you guys that I actually have a little bit of of understanding of situations. I guess maybe a little wisdom, if you will. I'm not trying to be not trying to be arrogant or anything, you know. But um, when it comes to when it comes to a lot of the situations in the mainstream media, I I, I know from looking out at the uh, you guys on the Facebook page that you, we all agree that the mainstream media sucks. And and I want to bring up I want to bring up the just the, the the hypocrisy, the double standards of what it means. Yeah, yeah, Timothy, I'm, my bad. Um, what it means to be on the in the media and and just how how honest they can be with their dishonesty um because when we look at situations of the past and i know that we've all covered the covington kids right the the covington catholic kids where they were merely standing there where black israelites were were yelling uh racial and homophobic things towards them and you had uh mr nathan phillips marching up and beating his drum right in front of uh nick sandman's i believe it was nick nick sandman's face and which resulted in the media just tearing apart nick sandman and the catholic uh church kids and just saying nathan phillips and and the black israelites were obviously the victims of the situation there was nothing that they did wrong and uh, we should never in any way disparage those individuals um but i think that looking at it look understanding the entire picture there was that the media got ahead of the facts they got ahead of the story and and it blew up in their face so we moved on from that situation to less than a week later jesse smollett now jesse smollett when his original story came out um i was very skeptical of it because when when he was talking about this right 2 a.m it's like 20 below zero uh, he's walking to Subway as a rich man because why why get why get something delivered when you have an opportunity to get mugged? Um, why why go out there in the storm? So he he walks down to Subway, gets a sandwich on his way back. Um, as the story goes, as his story went, um, he gets mugged by two white people that exclaimed, "This is MAGA country." throw a, a, a noose around his neck and pour uh, what was then an ident- unidentifiable liquid, which if you've ever smelled bleach, you would know what bleach is. Um, it's pretty hard not to say that it's unidentifiable, an unidentifiable liquid. Um, but that, that was the gist of his story. Now, now, 45 minutes later, they finally call the police because of his manager. And, and the, <laughs> the entire thing just didn't really add up. And the media, the media went nuts over this. They said, look at how racist people are. Look at how racist MAGA people are. Um, this is this is just a referendum on Trump. Trump is such a racist. And, and I'll agree that Trump has said a lot of stupid things. Trump says a lot of stupid things, a lot of things that are, are just egregious and reprehensible. Um, but 
the media is too busy trying to conflate. They 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 do have that Trump derangement syndrome where anything and everything can be put into the conspiracy that Trump is somehow pulling the strings of all these people across the country and causing these atrocious hate crimes. Um, which which really, I mean, should a hate crime even exist? Right? It's just a crime. You want to really what a hate crime is. What a hate crime is is just a a a multiplier effectively. So you have the crime of punching somebody in the face. And because that person was white and this person was black and that person said that they don't like black people and then punched them in the face, now that makes it worse. I think that the crime is still the same. You just know that that person's a a, a bigot, right? You know that person's a racist. I don't I don't really agree with the idea of of hate crimes making it worse than what it is. But it it just doesn't make sense to me because the crime was still the same. Anyways, so they're they're trying to say that like Trump is pulling those strings and causing this to happen. Now, as it turns out, after the or sorry, after the media went nuts over this, you had people like Cory Brooker and and Kamala Harris coming out and saying, "Look, we need to actually have anti lynching laws. We need to actually make it to where it's illegal for people to commit acts of violence against the others." And uh, they 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 obviously missed the part where that's already illegal, and and so we had members of Congress, right, members of the Senate coming out and and speaking on this. You had celebrities across across the country, right. You had the late night shows. You had um, just movie celebrities, music singers, and all these all these other um, individuals that were coming out and they were just going nuts over this. And then we find out that the two perpetrators of this attack happen to be two Nigerian brothers. Two Nigerian brothers that were paid $3,500 um, by Jussie Smollett in order to help increase his publicity in, in hopes and the pursuance of him getting a higher paycheck from the, uh, from the empire in which he worked on Fox. And <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Exactly. The hate adds time in prison. It's just ridiculous. But um, so the the entire story fell apart once we found that out. And I thought it was really interesting. So this, this entire situation was so poorly orchestrated that you had people coming out with conspiracy theories saying that there was more people involved on this. More people were, were setting this up and brainstorming. And I think the more people you would add into whoever formulated this, the worse off it gets because it was so poorly done. Um, if you're going to pay somebody to commit a crime against you, which wouldn't be a crime, but if you're paying somebody in order to, um, to assault you, you shouldn't pay by check. Okay, so Jesse Smollett failed on that. Um, Jesse Smollett failed because he was well acquainted with both of the individuals, one of them being an extra on the Empire, the other one being his personal trainer. You don't want to have somebody that you're familiar with, and and you certainly want to make sure that these are actual people that are involved with committing acts of violence against other people pretty routinely because as soon as the cops showed up, as soon as they were being questioned – immediately they were like, yeah, whatever you want to know, we'll tell you. So they got off scot-free and now Jesse Smollett, um, was facing, facing charges. Now here's where we wrap it back to, um, what's been going on in the muddy, muddy waters, uh, Facebook page. If you guys missed that, we had a poll and on the poll, the question was, was should Jesse Smollett go to jail or not? 
And um, if we if we break it down logically, if we break it down with absolute libertarian logic, he committed no crime against another. Okay. Now, now I'm not saying that people weren't affected by this. I'm saying that there was no crime against another because he had paid people in order to damage his own property, his body being his own property. Um, he gets to, he should, by logical standards, be able to choose what happens to his body. Um, and so on those grounds, Jesse Smolik had no victims. Now, for a punishment... What should Jussie Smollett have to do for a punishment? Well, he should have to pay for every penny. For every penny that was spent on the investigation, he should have to pay for that. Because he put a burden on the taxpayer dollars um, in which you know he should be held accountable for that. Um, because there were no charges filed against other individuals, right? There was no, there, he didn't make a victim of somebody else. So there's no issue there. If they want to tack on a little bit of extra in order just to kick him while he's down... They can they can freely do that, of course. But I think at the end of the day, there was no victim. He caused a large investigation, so that needs to be handled. Um, he damaged somebody else's. Uh, he damaged a movement because, let's face it, right? A lot of the MAGA people, a lot of the people that believe in the Make America Great Again, they 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 believe in the collective. They believe in the collective of the MAGA movement, right? And so when you when you affect one, when you hurt one, when you when you name call one of them, they feel like it's an attack on all of them. And there was the uh, the QAnon, if you guys are familiar with that, um, where it was where one goes, we go all, or something to that effect. And so you know that's 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 it, right? They 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 felt so connected emotionally with each other that. They they felt like this is, um, this was an attack on them, and and certainly it's not because feelings are not important. Logic is, and logically nobody was affected other than Jesse Smollett, and he consented to it. Therefore, no crime, no foul. Um, pay the fines, and and move on with your life and become a nothing burger again. Come back to being the same guy that you were before this event happened, where nobody watched Empire and nobody nobody knew about Jesse Smollett at all. Um, I think that that's the only logical reasoning for it. Um, and so it's <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. I'm sure that um, in, in the upcoming weeks we'll see Jesse Smollett probably face jail time, and I think it's it's wrong. It's, it's disgusting. Uh, the prison system's already overfilled. We don't need to put one more guy in there for, for something so ridiculous. Uh, Q, they make me laugh. Yeah, the Q, the QAnon stuff is always interesting. Um, I've got a, I've got a good friend that he asks the right questions, and and certainly right the. Uh, am I? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go too deep into to the QAnon stuff, but uh, I've got a good friend that that tears apart a lot of the Q. What do you want to call it? The aura around Q, right? The protectionism of Q, and um. It's always a good time, but all right. It looks like I've got it up. So Bernie Sanders born in 1941. Ooh, Joe Biden born in 42. So yeah, Bernie Sanders is one year older. So by almost a year, September versus November. 
So, well, actually, a little over a year, a year and two months older than Joe Biden. So going back to that. Um, other than that, right? So we're seeing the mainstream media crumble on itself because of situations like the Catholic, uh, Catholic, uh, the Covington Catholic Church boys, um, because of the Jesse Smollett case, because of of just having sheer Trump derangement syndrome. And when when you have somebody that was a former CBS um, foreign correspondent, such as Laura Logan, coming out and saying, "Look." 85% of journalists are on the left, right? A lot more Americans are waking up, which is why it's important that you guys grab onto the alternative media sources. You guys come out here. Um, what is Q? Is it Star Trek? No, Q is actually, is called QAnon. He started off in the 4chan, or they started off in the 4chan. Um, the, the premise around Q was that QAnon was a group of military and civilian intelligence officers um, I believe the number is between 7 and 11 of them. And so what they were doing was taking public information in order to steer a large group of people that were called the Q, Q uh, followers um, in order to steer them to an agenda that would embolden the trust of Trump and say, look, you got to trust the plan, you got to trust the plan, and then uh, would give little clues, very vague clues in order for people to accept it and say, yeah, you know, Q was vindicated because he said water and then um, – when with reference to Israel and and uh, Saudi Arabia at the time, I believe it was, um, and and so uh, Netanyahu, who's now potentially he's in the pre-indictment phases over there in Israel. Um, Netanyahu made a response to um, Saudi Arabia, if I'm if I'm correct on the country, and he had a glass of water next to him, and so that was enough to vindicate people on on the idea of Q. Now, I'm not somebody that that just destroys Q. I'm not somebody that follows Q. I'm just somebody who's just merely observing some of the stuff and and breaking it down. Right? When you're a when you follow a conspiracy or a story, everything seems to embolden your confirmation or your bias. Right? It's that confirmation bias, and certainly I think that there's some of that uh, plaguing it. Um. So, yeah, we, we can go a little bit further into Q on another night. Um, let me see here. Uh, Twitter. There we go. All right, let me pull this up. And then, um, so, <coughs> I apologize, guys. I will have this much better set up next time. Because um, we... A little bit of a different setup, swinging from 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 myself coming over here to Muddy Waters Media and and doing big things over here, and uh, so it, it knocks you off your groove. It really, really does. And uh, but but we'll make it we'll make it all right. We'll get through this. Um, we'll make it through tonight on Monday night. It should be at seven p.m. Eastern on the dot. We'll be on time and we'll get this through, knocked out flawlessly. That's the goal. Uh, expectations are obviously going to be different than the results. Don't, don't, don't put me on the stake yet. Um, but what is there, is there something going on out there in the world that you guys feel needs to be covered and talked about? Um, you're not on Facebook. Yes. Yes, I am. All right. Um, or any events that recently occurred that you guys want to have a little more insight on, uh, because, like I said, I'm blanking on a lot of this stuff that, that has been going on 
Um, actually, I've had that up too. Nope. Um, so there was also the other story of the trans uh, racers, the sprinters up there in Connecticut running for the state championships. Um, I want to want to talk about that because there's there is the individual liberty. There is the the idea of competition and everything else. And so it, it gets into muddied waters, if you will. But when it comes to this entire situation, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, when it comes to the entire situation of having trans people, um, involving themselves into competition, it really does make it into a difficult situation. Now I am a humanitarian or a feminist in the way of first, some way, second wave feminism, right? Third wave and fourth wave are obviously, uh, uh, just grotesque as to what they advocate for and, and the ways that they want to work. But, um, when it comes to trans involvement into gender specific events or competition, it really does put somebody at a disadvantage. Now, when it came to the situation in Connecticut, at the state races, there was two trans male to female transition, uh, uh, transgender people, uh, or trans persons to be politically correct that were running and they got first and second place and third place was an actual biological female. The media covered this, and the way that they covered this was they made the trans people be the victims. Now, I want to point out to you, I want to point out to you, getting first and second place, first and second place made them a victim. But really, but really and honestly, if you had a woman that was running with testosterone and using performance-enhancing drugs and they won a race, you wouldn't call them a victim, okay? So when you're a male and you transition into female, you still have more testosterone in your body. Your body is still structured in a way that is more um, biologically fit for these events, for this competition, that you actually have the edge over the women, the biological women. And so it is effectively performance enhancing drugs. It is effectively cheating and it is uh, dishonest to believe that it was a fair fight amongst them. Um, because these men, these men to fe uh, men to women uh, transitioned uh, trans people, they would not be able to compete with the men. So they're, they're at a disadvantage there. So they come over to the, to the female races and, uh, Yes, you can send send questions, um, and and so it it makes it extremely difficult. Um, Timothy will get to that question absolutely. You can always send questions. You can always send me questions, guys. Um, and so, looking at that entire situation, you have two people that were effectively cheating, that were putting themselves at a huge advantage, and so. You know, while I'm not a, a big person about gender roles entirely, right? Do what you do what you want to do. Find your companion and and live life and be happy as you want to be. When it comes to competition, you can't allow something like that to to really uh, dictate over it because you're making a victim of those who were honest in that competition. So all of the women who were racing in that event that lost that didn't get first place because you know. Uh, as the great uh, Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you're last. 
So all the women that came in last and the other trans that came in last, they were the victims, minus the trans. Um, and so as a society, we have to we have to keep those separated. And, and it puts you in a weird situation because a male-to-female trans um, can run with the men still, right? Because they, they have estrogen now. They have a, a couple other uh, hormones that are different. But they, they still effectively can still run with the men. When it comes to a female-to-male transition, do you put them in with the men because they, they strive to be men and have a, a uh, contradictory uh, regulation or setup? Or do you... You can't keep them with the women because now they have testosterone. They are getting injected with testosterone. So now they are um, above and beyond what the rest of the competition is. So they can't run there. So you have to have like a segregated, a separate group or just exclude them outright. Can you imagine the headlines if you were to exclude them outright? So you have to have like a a third party where it's like people who don't identify as a a quote unquote normative uh, gender you guys get a race over there, and, and I'm sure the controversy will still be there. Um, yeah, no, no, I agree. When it does matter, it does matter when they when they do transition. Absolutely. Um, welcome in, Joshua Smith. What? I got the big name. What's up, man? Um, why do all the can all of our candidates suck? Well, why do all of our candidates in the LP suck? So all of our candidates in the LP sucks because if I can steal a quote from Shane Sweeney from uh, the Libertarian Party of South Carolina, um, if I can steal his quote because not enough people are wanting to pick up a shovel, not enough people that are actually have good good philosophy, good principles, and good values are willing to stick their neck out there and, and step up to the plate and, and take it home for the, for the team, for the party, right? So... The principles there are not the people that do step up. They aren't exactly the best people, right? Bill Weld, somebody who um, can easily be argued not to be uh, aligned with uh, David Nolan's five principles of what a libertarian is, right? Because he and um, Gary Johnson both were in favor of of the Federal Reserve in one way or another. When you have that... um, it really does put a divide on on libertarians. Do I advocate for him because he's running as a libertarian, or do I fight against it? And so we always have this issue of infighting here in here in the liberty movement, and um, certainly having people of questionable questionable uh, philosophies and 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 ideal ideologies makes it a little more difficult for us to really get behind them and support it and to. Uh, openly support it. So when you have criticisms coming from your own party, I think that the Libertarian Party is the only one that we hold ourselves accountable. Um, when you have that, it's hard to reach out to other people and say, "Hey, come on over here, join us on the Liberty side, and and let's embolden this. Let's uh, let's get this guy elected or this gal elected," um, because there's too much infighting. But that also leads us to being the best of debaters, of course. Um, so there's there's a lot of issues there. I think that at at a core principle, what we need to be doing as the in the libertarian party of course we need to be striving to get people elected i think that we need to start down to at the root level start at the county council start at the state level and then build our way up if we just try to try to go for the top we shoot for the stars sure maybe sometimes we'll we'll or shoot for the moon and some you know we may land in the stars but if we can get it from the ground up we can we can really build the support around this so it's more about starting at the ground level and working your way up rather than trying to go to the top down um 
give a handicap. Maybe. Um, there was one other question. Does anyone know how the Olympic Committee define men and women? So that was a good question about when we were talking about trans. So the Olympics have actually come out and they said that they're going to allow trans people to compete. I don't think it was a, it was a full acceptance across the board, right? But I think that there were some specific events. And I want to just say, biologically, men are better than women. And I believe every sport except for one, and I think it was like marathon swimming. It was like not, not, not something in the pool, but like, you know, super long distance. And I think other than that, men beat women in basically every sport, maybe, maybe balance or gymnastics. Um, in that sense, we are only, uh, the only real grassroots party, maybe. Um, and, and I think that that's where a lot of our fundamental support comes from. Um, but I think that, I think that the libertarian movement would, it would uh, be helpful of us in order to not fight against each other nearly as much as what we do and actually just stick to the David Nolan's, uh, five, five principles. Um, not a lot of people have, have looked into that. So let me pull that up. Um, they're really, really simple, simple principles of what makes a libertarian. You have to have all five. If you don't have all five, you're not a libertarian. Um, but it's, it, it's those five that are so very important. And if it's, if, as long as you have those five, you're a libertarian. And there's a lot of other topics out there that maybe we don't agree with one another. And that's okay. Because these debates will always... Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. Because um, these debates will always go within the Libertarian Party. But we shouldn't be destroying each other for, for these inherently. Um, here we go. So... soon as it wants to pop up for me but going off of these principles what they leave out foreign policy abortion um and and what was there's another big one that he had specifically called out so we see a lot of criticism and a lot of hate for against bordertarians against open border libertarians against pro-life libertarians against pro-choice libertarians and and certainly right there there some of it's worthy some of it's not worthy but but really to tear apart at other people um and and try to take the libertarian out from under them for for these for disagreeing on on one of those um it doesn't help us unify and we certainly will never be able to get the the big support to get over that 10% threshold or that sorry that 15% threshold at the uh, at the federal level for the presidential races in order to really give us uh, the support for the next following election to be able to get there on the debates and uh, and really get the, the ticket to helping spit, uh, spread liberty and allow liberty to thrive. So <clears throat> here, here, here is from David Nolan. My definition is that this, for those of you who do not know, he is the founder of the Libertarian Party. Uh, my own definition is that in order to be considered a libertarian, at least in the political context, an individual must adhere without compromise, without compromise to five key points. Ideally, of course, we'd be we'd all be in agreement on everything, but we're not and probably never will be. Debate is likely to continue indefinitely on matters such as abortion, foreign policy and whether when, how. 
or and whether, when, and how various government programs can be discontinued or privatized. But as far as I'm concerned, if everyone is sound on these five following points, he or she is de facto a libertarian. If he fails, he or she fails on even one of the five, he isn't. So the first one, you own yourself. So as long as you own yourself and you believe that everyone gets to own themselves and be able to conduct themselves in the way that they, they see fit, then they are in fact a libertarian. The right to self-defense. So if somebody is able to defend themselves with any weapon of opportunity, if they're able to, to keep and bear arms, not because the constitution says so, but because they are a person and they own themselves and so therefore they're able to defend themselves, um, that would be the second one. The third one, no criminal possession laws. So this is this is where uh, Liberty Hangout, if you guys saw them getting getting absolutely thrashed by, by libertarians, um, it was on this premise alone, right? Because Liberty Hangout came out and they, they dropped a tweet and they said, look, the Liberty Movement didn't leave us. Uh, or sorry, we didn't leave the Liberty Movement. The Liberty Movement left us. And they said basically that um, liberty is not about being able to, to smoke marijuana. But here's what David Nolan himself said. In fact, libertarians believe that the individuals have a right to own and use anything, gold, guns, marijuana, sexually explicit material. So as long as they do not harm others through force or threat of, war, of force, laws criminalizing the simple possession of anything are tailor-made for police states. It is all too easy to plant a forbidden substance in someone's home, car, or pocket. Libertarians are are as tough on crime, real crime, as anyone, but criminal possession laws are an affront to liberty, whatever the rhetoric used to defend them. So I think that we've all experienced, seen videos, or or somehow encountered um, a, a destruction of trust in police officers because of sprinkling crack on people or... Um, making false claims, doing it, doing what it is that they, they, they believe is fit in order to defend themselves or their, their, uh, their careers. And so this criminal possession, 100%, right? You shouldn't have for merely obtaining something or having something on, you should not be a violation of law. Number four, no taxes on productivity. So if you're against, if you're against income tax. You have to be against the income tax, right? You have to be against the 16th amendment. Um, in an ideal world, there would be no taxation, right? Because taxation is the, the price you pay because you live in an uncivilized society. Taxation is extortion. It's not just theft. It's extortion because there's a threat of violence behind it. So you have to be on that on board with that in a sound money system. This is where Bill Weld and Gary Johnson both failed the libertarian test. So they both were in favor of the Federal Reserve in some way, which is fiat. So fiat money with no backing. And uh, the acceptance is mandated by the state. So when Gary Johnson and Bill Weld both were speaking favorably about, um, I believe Gary Johnson was in favor of the entire thing and, and, and Bill Weld thought, you know, it's it's a it's a much needed evil. Um between the two of them really took them away from from being what is quote unquote a libertarian and and certainly caused a lot of issues um hangout was a bootlicking festival absolutely right on that uh truly despicable uh what they've been doing and and it's it's fun to go on there and just post anti-trump memes because 
you'll you'll watch them just get so deranged and it, it's like my little guilty pleasures just going on there and just poking a couple jabs and letting that letting that occur um it it's always fun it's always enjoyable because when it comes to president trump when it comes to the congress when it comes to uh cocaine mitch when it comes to nancy pelosi when it comes to obama when it comes to george w when it comes to clinton when it comes to hw it doesn't matter who the president is or who the politician is it's important that we not only be objective and be able to say when they're right or wrong but we don't become um we we remain consistent Right, and that's something that you can't really do if you're buying into those, um, buying into the idolatry, buying into the MAGA movement, buying into the change movement um, with Obama, buying in to all these things. If you're not willing to hold your own side accountable, um, you, you're you've got a trash ideology, and, and I'll help you become more consistent. I hope, um, but. Hangout just was a a boot a Trump bootlicking guy, right? I I remember uh, Liberty Hangout being like, yeah, you know, bump stocks aren't a part of the Second Amendment. No, it, it, there's just there's just so much. People will excuse their own side too much, and I think that that's certainly one thing that I want to fight against. Is nothing ever that any politician does it should not be met with. This is invulnerable. This is something that you cannot go after. This is not something you can criticize because every single thing should be criticized. If you believe in the founding fathers, the founding fathers said, look, you are the keepers. You, the people, are the keepers of the government. You hold them accountable. You you redress your grievances against them with the First Amendment, and you do what's right. And And so if you're a believer in that, then I hope you'd also believe in the Jefferson uh, quote in, in – uh, idea that revolution is needed. Sometimes you gotta you gotta let the the roots of liberty have the blood of patriots and tyrants, right? I'm I'm a I'm a I'll be honest with you guys. I am a constitutionalist. I want to bring the government back to at least the constitution, if not further. And and so with that, I, I use a lot of the founding fathers to understand why it is that they had constructed our country in the way that it is. And I completely agree with the Lysander Spooner quote. Uh, let me pull that up so I don't destroy it. Lysander Spooner Constitution. All right. Um, I, I completely agree with Lysander Spooner um, on his quote about this. And, and while I pull it up with my slow interwebs, um, that the Constitution basically has failed us so if I can bring us back to that at least, we'll be in a better place because I don't think – I think that anyone that will look at the situation pragmatically where the First Amendment has been uh, egregiously violated, right, with free speech being destroyed, um, where we have members of Congress right now trying to put religious testing, right? We saw uh, – who was it? Kamala Harris. We saw Bernie Sanders basically going after people – pardon me uh, – going after people for saying something or for being Catholic, right? If uh, Amy Barrett um, is the next nomination from President Trump, then we will see them going after her for being a Catholic, for having a bunch of children, for not being uh, for not being pro-choice, but instead being pro-life in accordance with her her religious views. We will see um, we'll see them going after that. When it comes to the Second Amendment, I don't think we need any anything more than just saying yes, the Second Amendment has been violated. Um, 
third amendment, it's not really something that, that is a big issue. Um, but, but fourth amendment, right. Your right to privacy, the NSA, fifth amendment, um, right to due process. We don't have that anymore in this country. People are, are considered guilty before proven innocent, um, guilty until proven innocent. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's just egregious in the way that it is. So I want to at least move the needle back on liberty and bring us back to the Constitution. And then once we get there, we can keep fighting to remove it even further. Because at the at the crux of this, at the at the core of this, what we are fighting for is for individual liberty to be supreme. Where's this quote? It's a beautiful, beautiful quote. Hmm. so upset by this what is the L relationship with the United States are you talking about the big L relationship with the United oh United Nations I'm not sure I am not very familiar with the EU and all of that I know that they do have a libertarian party over there and uh, it's, it's vastly different than what we have here in America because let's be honest right the culture of here versus there is much much different um, the freedoms that we fight for are definitely different than oh did I lose you guys? Uh oh. Did I lose you? Can't tell if I lost you. All right, somebody, somebody, say something in the in the chat. Uh, is the Constitution verbatim in the Libertarian Party? No. Because even even that is is more nuanced than what the Libertarian Party wants, right? There's there's more government there than than what um, than the Nolan Five. Okay. Uh oh, does look like I lost you guys. Maybe. I hope I didn't lose you guys. If I did, I'm talking to the either. I'm talking to myself. Um, if I did not, I think this might be a, a decent time to wrap it up question mark still good all right so we're still good all right sweet um but no so the the libertarian party i think that the the constitution is not verbatim um within it um the liberty movement the libertarian party wants to even shrink it further than that um but i think that the pragmatic steps would be to move us back to the constitution and then remove uh, to shrink it even further um because Right now, like like what we were starting to do when we got through the first five um, of the Constitution, the first five amendments or the first five of the Bill of Rights, those are all being violated egregiously and daily. And and certainly we can continue on the 6th, the 7th, the 8th, and the 9th. And, and of course, the 10th is just forgotten about. Um, so retract the government, rescind the power that it delegated itself, that it's ceded uh, from the states and from the individuals. Um, take that back and bring it back to the states, bring it back to the individuals. And then once it's at the states, fight to, to bring that down to the community level, bring that down. And, and so it, it does, there's a lot there. So I think the constitution would be a nice stepping stone for the libertarian party, but, um, I don't think it's, it's the end all be all. Here we go. Here's the brainyquotes.com.
And and Shane Sweeney, I mentioned him earlier. He loves this quote. If I talk, if I even mention the Constitution around him, he brings this up. So Lysander Spooner said, "But whether the Constitution really be one thing or another, this much is certain: that it is either authorized such a government as we have had, or it has been powerless to prevent it. In either case, it is unfit to exist. So either it was there and it pre- it failed to prevent this, or it allowed." For the government to be what it is today. And certainly I don't think that it allows it. I think that certainly we have a, a clear grotesque violation um, done by all three all three branches of government, right? Um, when you have the Supreme Court justices read the Second Amendment and say shall not be infringed and they go, it means we can infringe upon it, right? So that was the Supreme Court justices. Um, when you look at Congress and Congress goes, yeah, you know what? We can, we can, we could change up what general welfare means and be able to to impart social security, we can put in, um, uh, welfare systems, entitlement systems, and we can have, uh, put up the department of education. We can do this, that, and the other, and that's okay. Um, that's, that's obviously an issue when it comes to the president, the president's like, Hey, I'm just going to bypass Congress. I'm going to just enact my own laws. I'm going to enact all these different, uh, this, that, and the other, right. They're the executive branch, not the legislative branch. And so, it's not that the Constitution has allowed the government to be this big, but it has been powerless to prevent it because the the will of the people, the the needs of the feelings have been able to uh, beat out the logic and the understanding of what the limited government was supposed to be as uh, as ratified in the Constitution. So understanding the failures of the Constitution would lead anyone to, to understand that it's not acceptable. Verbatim, old speak. Oh, verbatim, old speak for forbidden. Oh, my bad. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say that it's 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 forbidden, but it's certainly something that um, it doesn't really hold that much that much weight for people who um, who accept Lysander Spooner's quote and embody that because it it doesn't mean anything. It's been a a. It's just a piece of paper. And so I can agree with them on that, but I think that the the logic, the arguments, and the values that were put into it um, certainly were libertarian-esque. Um, definitely a small, limited government, much more limited than what we have today. And so I will not keep it as a... As a as taboo. I will keep it as something that we can talk about and... Um, and and I use it as a philosophical stepping stone in order to help help you um, have better dis- debates and discussions, right? Um, because right now what we're seeing in this country is, a, a, to go back to the Second Amendment, we have a lot of people that want to advocate for gun control or advocate for for uh, universal background checks. And, and for those, right... For universal background checks, that requires that everyone has a gun registry. That, that requires us to tell the, the government in order, hey, I own this gun right now, and so I'm going to trade it to this person. I'm going to sell it to this person. I'm going to barter with this person, and, and this person is going to take over it. And so then they have to, to fill out the information, and then it can be transferred. That's the only way to make a gun registry work. And so that's a violation of the Fourth Amendment and, and violation of the tenor of the Second Amendment. Um. 
and and when it comes to obviously gun control that's just a, a clear violation of the second amendment by prohibiting people from being able to protect themselves um is is just simply egregious and reprehensible because when 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 seconds matter right when you're in a situation where seconds matter the police are minutes away so you need to be able to have the ability to defend yourself and understand the statistics and and the atrocities that are are surrounding the gun violence situation in this country um the law abiding citizens committing crime is absolutely zero um it is it is people that are violating other laws just as much so it's not it's not a gun issue it's a it's a it's a society issue so allow more people to protect themselves is is the the right thing and so even with that i'm blanking on the founding father but uh one of the founding fathers one of the framers of the constitution was was wrote a letter so a bunch of sailors who were out on the open seas um, knew that there were pirates out there. And so they had sent him a, a letter and they basically asked him, hey, can we have cannons? And, and the result, the return or the letter that was given to them, why am I blanking, was basically saying, yeah, absolutely. You can, you can go get a cannon, protect yourself, protect your ship, protect your vessel, Second Amendment. And and so that right there was was enough to say, yep, all right, whatever it is, whatever kind of armament would be allowed for the populace to have. Now, in accordance with the the tenor of the Second Amendment, it was not only to be able to protect ourselves from from foreign nations, but also to protect our, ourselves from each other as well as from a tyrannical government. So when the government comes along and says, yeah, you can't have fully automatic weapons. So they're they're putting us at a disadvantage of themselves. So it's in the best interest of government to limit us in the way that it's working. So for them to, um, for President Obama to silence the CDC on guns uh, on gun saving lives uh, studies, which the last one was between five hundred thousand and three million lives saved in accordance with a study from two thousand fourteen, I believe it was, two thousand thirteen or two thousand fourteen. Um, after that, they, they CDC is no longer allowed to do studies on this. So when you have statistics like that, those aren't good for the government. It's not good for the government to know that people are saving their own lives because of, of firearms. Because then the government is being diminished. There, there's not as much of a need for them to be the protectors if we can protect ourselves. And so now that stands staunchly in the way of them becoming tyrannical and running our lives. And um, so, um, so understanding these principles and these values um, really adds adds to the conversation to where we can we can debate. Uh, much more effectively and meaningfully against people who want to take away your individual right, your individual liberties, and your ability to protect yourselves. And so that's 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 the entire premise of why I use the Constitution so much is because I I believe in the individual, I believe in the protection of and thereof. Um, so I don't I wouldn't say it's taboo for me. I know it's taboo for some people, but it is what it is. Um, but with that, guys, I think I'm gonna hop off here for the night. Um, the next time. I'll be coming live with you guys. We'll actually be Monday. So we're going to be doing uh, Mondays and Fridays with me. And, of course, on Tuesday you'll have Spike and, Spike and Matt doing uh, the Muddy Waters for Freedom or Muddy Waters of Freedom. 
Uh, Wednesdays will still be Spike with the My Fellow Americans, and on Thursdays will be Matt with the Writer's Block. So five days a week here at Muddy Waters Media. I'm fan- I'm so ecstatic. I'm so excited uh, for what the future brings. Uh, Monday night, I will be shooting for 7 p.m. We'll get everything streamlined and, and fixed, and so it'll be a good time. I look forward to... Uh, to the future discussions. Of course, if you guys want to find me on Facebook, my name is Jason Lyon. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Mr. Bearded Truth. It is right there on the display down there, um, bottom left of the screen. And uh, I look forward to our future discussions. It'll always be a good time. I'm, I'm super excited about what's, what's about to unfold for all of us. So thank you guys all for coming in tonight. And uh, I will see you guys... Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's weird to say that. Usually it's Sunday night. Um, So over the weekend, make sure you guys aren't drinking and driving with, or don't drink and drive or ride with those who do. You have family, friends who care about you and love you deeply. They want you to get back here and uh, and to be safe. So I'll see you guys Monday night. I am Mr. Merka, the Beard of Truth, Jason Lyon. Thank you so much, Muddy Waters Media, for having me on and and allowing me to, to use my voice here. So you guys all have a great night, and I will see you guys. Uh, Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern.